Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter number 18. Genesis, chapter number 18. Well, this is Father's Day, as you well know. And, uh, you know, I think, to be honest, it needs to be said, you know, uh, that some men don't really get the credit they deserve. Maybe, maybe you heard about uh, the woman who got angry at her husband. She was chasing him through the crowd at the zoo with the umbrella over her head and shouting threats, and he is running into the crowd and trying to get away from her before she beats him with the umbrella. And finally he happened to notice that the, the door, the lock on the door to the lion's cage wasn't quite closed, and so he... He opened the door and went into the lion cage and yanked it open. He climbed into the cage. He slammed it shut where nobody could get in. Pushed the lion up against the, up against the bars and got behind it and peeked over the lion's shoulder. And the frustrated wife stood there shaking that umbrella over her head, screaming, Ralph, come out of there, you coward. <laughs> Some of you will get it in a little while, but some men are braver than it might appear. Yeah, they're braver than they might appear. When I heard this, I was, you know, it's hard not to think about your dad on Father's Day, naturally. And, you know, I, I don't ever, I don't ever remember... By the way, if you read Morning Manna this morning, you kind of know what I'm thinking about and talking about maybe the greatest gift that my dad, even though he wasn't a Christian, that he provided for me was the feeling of security. I, I just always felt secure if dad was anywhere around, but uh, I don't ever remember seeing my dad afraid, never. And, and I don't ever remember seeing my dad cry until a short time after after I was saved, my mother had a nervous breakdown, was in the hospital, and uh, that got to Dad in a way that I'd never seen anything before. And so, you know, on Father's Day, your mind naturally goes back to those things, and as a preacher, you have to try to get beyond that and get to the message, but I don't know, maybe maybe some of that is the message in some ways. Uh, I was thinking about after after Dad finally retired, uh, I guess you would call it, uh, I, Bev and I was in the ministry and raising a family and didn't get back there very often, but Dad and Mom opened a little antique sh- shop in Halltown, Missouri. That's that's on Interstate 44 between Springfield and Joplin. My Uncle Richard already had a huge antique store there. And uh, so it was always fun going back home and uh, going through stuff. Boy, just, you know, pilfer around through an antique store and look at all of that old stuff. But in, in doing that, I, I learned some things uh, you know, I, I learned that some things are are rare. I mean, you know, a lot of times we talk about something being rare as hen's teeth or, you know, rare like rain in the desert or hidden treasure and so forth, or talent without humility. And some things are rare, but there are some things that that are rare but not of 
any value, really. Uh, maybe old books. And, you know, a lot of people got the idea, well, it's 100 years old. It's got to be worth something. Well, you know, it's rare, but it's not valuable. It's kind of like finding four Cheerios stuck together, you know, in a box of Cheerios. Uh, that's rare, but it's, you know, it's not anything valuable about it. But some things, some things are rare and valuable. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, because at the top of that list of things that are rare and valuable are faithful fathers. And I want to narrow all of this down to one example. Brother Willie didn't know what I was going to preach. I didn't know what he was going to sing. But that part about Abraham in there takes us right to our text this morning. Genesis chapter number 18, verse 18 says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation, and all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. This is, now this is the Lord speaking. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. You know, stop and think about it for just a minute. Let's just suppose for a moment that you're God. I know that some of you women think your husband's already doing that. And so stop it if that's what you're doing. Don't, you know, play like you're God. You're not. But, but just... Put yourself in God's shoes for a moment and think about that if uh, if you had the ability and you were going to just start one nation, great nation, to represent you in all of the earth, what what qualities would you look for in a person? Who would you select? Well, here in our text we find exactly... This statement is made after God had already chosen Abraham, but it shows us what God to glorify me so that all of the earth might come to know me, and I need one man that I can start that nation with and accomplish my goal. And that man was Abraham. He knew that Abraham would provide the spiritual guidance for his family. That was crucial then. And let me tell you, it's crucial today because the family units are the building blocks of society. As the families go, so go society. Sometimes we look around and we think about the wickedness of the world we live in and we wonder to ourselves, what in the world has happened? I'll tell you what's happened. The family, the family has failed. Or maybe I should say there's been a failure in the families because as a result of that, you know, we see what we've got today. And here in this story of Abraham, it reminds us that families need faithful fathers, and it teaches us several, several valuable lessons. Now, let me say this. 
Mother's Day and Father's Day has always been difficult for me because I know, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, you want to honor the mothers and the fathers, and that, and well, that's what the day is intended to do. But I made the mistake as a young preacher of thinking that I needed to give everyone a tongue lashing. Mother's Day, Father's Day, I was going to, I was scriptural in everything that I said, and boy, I mean, I went right down the line, and you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you what all you've been doing wrong, and uh, I'm going to tell you how to make it right, and consequently, the people, you know, I really feel sorry for the poor mothers, they come to be honored on Mother's Day, and the pastor, you know, they go away beaten up, they're battered and bruised, like, Lord, I don't want to ever go back there again, so I've learned a little bit from that over the years, I'm not quite as bad as I used to be, but I mentioned that, because when we talk about faithful fathers, it just might be that there's some things in the message that, you know, might get under your skin. It, it might be that you feel that, uh, you know, that we ought to be honoring you rather than rebuking you. Let me tell you, about the greatest thing I could do for you, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, or if you're here and you're out of the will of God, the best thing I can do is not pat you on the back, but give you a swift kick in the seat of the britches to let you know you're on the wrong track. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you, you see. And so when we talk about the need for faithful fathers, we've got to understand what all is involved. And here we learn some very important lessons. First of all, fathers affect the future. It's like someone said, a boy loves his mother, but he follows his father. And as a general rule, that's, you know, that's true. And since that's true, then we dads better think about where we're leading our children. Dr. Tell Forrest said several years ago, he said, when fathers do not take leadership roles, boys so often are overcome with femininity and take on an exaggerated masculinity behavior to conceal it. And I think he's right, because whether it's homosexuality or the macho mentality of a wife beater, those are both extremes of not having a godly role model. And our future, in one sense, our future is in the hands of fathers. And boy, when you look around today, that's kind of a scary thought. I'm, I, when I say look around, I'm talking about in society in general and look at the average father, you know, that cares nothing whatsoever about God and really no great concern for his family. We have a dad deficit in our society today, and we need men like Abraham because the fathers affect the future, the future of your family, the future of this church, the future of this community, or whatever is affected by godly follow, fathers. And the second thing from Abraham we learn quickly is that following God can be frightening. It can be frightening. I think that's why a lot of people don't do it, because they have to get out of their comfort zone. It's a frightening prospect to say, well, I'm going to follow the Lord. You know, I'm going to quit doing what I want to do and start doing what God wants me to do. And we see two examples of that. The first one's there in chapter number 12 where God called him and he said, Abraham, I want you to take your wife. Remember, he doesn't have any children at that point. I want you to take your wife, pack your bags and go. Where? Into a country that I'll show you. 
He has, he has no information, no roadmap, nothing. And so he goes home to tell Sarah, baby, we're moving. And naturally, she'd want to know where. And he said, well, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know where we're going to move. You don't know where we're going? No, I don't know where we're going. God said he'd show me. Now, since Sarah laughed in some other places, I, I just got to wonder if she didn't snicker a little bit and say, God told you that. And she probably thought he'd been out on the drunk with the boys that night or something. But whatever the case is, she followed him. That's the amazing part of the story. She followed him. So it wasn't just that he had faith. She had, in some ways, maybe more faith than he did because God's been talking to him and he's talking to her. So they moved. The second example, whenever you come to chapter 22, and the Lord, now remember at this point, God's given him Isaac. And now God says, I want him back. I want you to take your son, Isaac, offer him up as a sacrifice to me. And we all know what happened. He was willing to do it. He went to the very point of plunging the knife into the body of his dear son, and God stopped him, and God provided a sacrifice. The point is that, that God did not tell Abraham to take the course of least resistance or look for the pot of, the, of gold at the end of the rainbow. There were some difficult choices to be made in following the Lord. And so he had to face these difficult decisions. And so it's obvious to all of us that God's will is not always fun and easy. It's a joy to serve the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But it's not always fun in the sense that we get some kind of, of an emotional high out of it. And it's not easy for us to follow the Lord because sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to do things that we never dreamed of doing and go places that we would never choose to go. It can be difficult. And if you're going to follow God, you need to understand that. It's not, look, this thing of sacrificing in service for the Lord, not just about pastors and missionaries and people like that. It costs anyone something to follow the Lord. Jesus said, unless a man forsake all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's true of every single one of you. You've got to have a willingness in your heart to sacrifice anything and everything that's going to keep you from following God. There has to be that willingness. Now, God might not require certain things of you, but to be in the will of God, you have to be willing to go there if God does. So Abraham strikes out. Lesson number three, failure is not final. Or at least it doesn't have to be. Abraham wasn't perfect. By any stretch of the imagination. And probably those of you that are familiar with his story know that he made some horrible mistakes. He had faults like everyone else. But he recovered. You know, sometimes we learn more about a person in watching them recover from a fall than we do in seeing them succeed in other endeavors. And let me tell you, it doesn't take a perfect man to make a good father. You don't have to be perfect. Now, you know, that, that ought to be our goal. Let's shoot for perfection. Absolutely. We, you know, we want to be as perfect as, as possible. But we all fail. But our failure doesn't have to be 
final. We can't go back and undo the past. Look, if you're not careful, you'll let the past eat you up. And, and, and but by the grace of God, I would sit around and as Eric was singing that song and my mind goes back to the wicked life that I live. And like I've said so many times, I didn't care about anything or anybody, really even myself. And, 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 I, and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be that way, but that's that's the way I was. And I think back over, you know, my lifetime of things that I thought, oh, dear God, if I could just undo that, if I could take that word back, if I could undo that, I, I'm, I, I, I've sucker punched guys right in the face that wasn't expected or the most stupid things imaginable and hurt people. And there was no call for it. They hadn't done anything to me. Just being wicked. I've mistreated my wife and my kids. Just being wicked. And I'd give anything in all of the world if I could undo that. But I can't undo that. The one thing I can do is to remember is all of that is under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't have to answer for that any longer. I can't undo it, but I'll tell you, I can learn something from it. From whatever experience it is, we can learn something. As a result of that, it helps us become a better person in the future. And when I look at Abraham, that's exactly what I see. Here is a man that fell flat on his face at a crucial time, by the way. I mean, he did things you would think that no righteous man would do, and yet he failed and yet God used him. So, failure's not final. If you're here today and you feel like, well, I'm, I'm just the worst failure in all of the world. I feel so embarrassed when I look at my wife and I look at my kids. I, 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 just, I just want to give up. I want to run and hide somewhere. I mean, failure's not final. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. You go to God and God can make something good out of the worst thing in your life. As bad as it is, God can make something glorious out of it. And faithfulness is never futile. Never. You know, I'm, I, I keep thinking about Abraham as he's traveling along there. And maybe it's right after he has failed God so miserably. And maybe he's sitting there scratching his head wondering, you know, well, I, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. I know that's what you know. God told me to do, to go out here and wander around. He'd show me where to go and so forth. But uh, I'm running into all kinds of trouble. I mean, in one sense, his life was in jeopardy there. I mean, to lie to a king and, you know, to endanger people. And it could have been if God didn't kill him, the king would have. And he could have wondered, well, I don't know if it's going to pay off or not. And finally he gets a son and God says, okay, now I want you to sacrifice your son. And, and you've got to start thinking at some point, maybe I've got this all wrong. But boy, when you look at the big picture, and that's what we've all got to do. Look at the big picture, you see. Faithfulness is not futile. That's why the Bible says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And let me tell you, when Isaac, think about Isaac as he, as he bears witness of what his daddy did. 
when Isaac saw that faithfulness to God was more important to his father than anything else. Can you imagine the impression it made on that young man? That God is so, con- you know, that, that, that my daddy is so concerned about pleasing God that he's willing, if necessary, to even take my life. He, he, he would do anything. Let me tell you, your children need to see that in you. That the most important thing in your life is serving the Lord, that you are faithful to God. You might not be able to do a lot of things. My dad never could fly an airplane. He wasn't an airplane pilot. He wasn't a war hero. You know, but but look, there are some things that we can do, whether or not, you know, we're able to do what the world thinks of as those big things. And that's what our kids need to see in us, that faithfulness to God is more important than anything else in all of the world. Faith isn't foolish is the big lesson, I think, out of all of this. Faith is not foolish. You know, the world looks at us, we Christians, and they think, you know, that we're, we're some kind of a religious nut. We're some kind of a fanatic that we've gone off of the deep end. Talk about how crazy can it be for you people to just live by blind faith. We're not living by blind faith. We're basing our confidence on the, on the promises of God, you see. And our faith is never foolish. And here we see Abraham's faith being revealed in his manner of life. No, nobody had to wonder, did Abraham really have faith in God? His life revealed that. Nobody had to ever question that. Can the same be said about you? And they look at your life, can they see in you that kind of confidence and trust that you have in the Lord? And not only is it revealed by the manner that he lived, it's recorded here in the Word of God. I mean, it's well documented, especially when you go over here to Romans chapter number 4 and you begin to look at the Apostle Paul as he speaks about the faith of Abraham, the greatness of his faith. Let me tell you, that same faith, is required in all of us. In John chapter number 8, our Lord is having the conversation with the Jews of that day, and, and back and forth they go, and some claim to believe, and the Lord said in verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And then he says in verse number 38, I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your Father, And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Now why would they say that? Because Abraham was known for the greatness of his faith, and Abraham is called the friend of God. And they said, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. I have an entire sermon about the works of Abraham. He says, if ye were, if ye were the sons of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. In other words, there would be some evidence of it. So what we see revealed in the life of Abraham is something that is required from each and every one of us. And those people there in John chapter 8 didn't live up to their claim because verse 44, he said, ye are of your father the devil. And the deeds of your father you will do. 
all through the journey of life as Abraham traveled on, he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. As he went through this life, facing all of the difficulties, no doubt he wondered sometimes, and surely Sarah did, you know, is it going to be worth it? And we find that faith is always rewarded. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for you know. No, your work is not in vain in the Lord. Aren't you glad that you can invest your life in something that's not in vain? Amen. I mean, look, that's what really matters. All of the things of this world, all of the glitter and the glamour and the things that men strive for, none of that's going to bring any great satisfaction in the day when you stand before the Lord to give an account for the manner in which you lived. Abraham come to see the fulfillment of all of those things that God had promised. Now, I could make a long list of things saying, look, these are the things that we ought to be doing if we're going to be a faithful father. And I wouldn't say one single thing that you didn't already know. Because you see, our problem for the most part is not in knowing, is it? Generally speaking, we all know what we ought to be doing, right? We know what we ought to be doing. The real problem is we just don't do it. So, so it's not more information that we need. What we really need is a right relationship with God. Can, can, you, uh, can you imagine what it was like for, you know, to think about Abraham being called the friend of God? The friend of God. Whenever God got ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, he said, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to do that without telling my friend about it. Can you imagine that? And so he shares that information with Abraham. The, the, the payback, the reward for being faithful. Over in Romans chapter number 4, Paul, as he's dealing with self-righteous people in regards to salvation. He said in verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. In other words, if he could have a right relationship with God based on the works, the things that he did, boy, he could strut his stuff. He could boast, say, look at me, look at what I've done. I have obligated God, and now God has to reward me. But notice, he says, for what saith the Scripture? In other words, what does the Bible say about that subject? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not. Notice. But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Wow! You mean, Lord, I don't have to climb the mountain and swim the ocean to, to have a right relationship? And the Lord said, no, all you got to do, Abraham, is just simply believe. 
So, you know, this takes this message beyond fathers. We need faithful fathers. But what we're talking about here is what every person needs. And we'll never become the person that God wants us to be, the person that we need to be, till we have a right relationship with God. And that can come only by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is essential to pleasing God. Back to Romans chapter 4 again, verse 19. It says, And being not weak in faith, talking about Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when it was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that, he, that what He promised He was able to perform. Have you ever been, you know, going through a difficult time and you sit down in the recliner and you open the Bible and you begin to look at God's promises and you think to yourself, oh, that's just too good to be true. God just doesn't understand how difficult I have it. Or you might think to yourself, well, you know, that might be all right for somebody else, but then, you know, that doesn't really help me that much. There's no benefit in it for me. But in reality, there is. Being persuaded that what God has promised, that He's able to fulfill, God's not going to fail. We think about people going through difficult times like, you know, those in... The two families that have lost loved ones just here, and just like a week apart, and and you think about what they're going through, and 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 we wonder well, how do you get through something like that? Grace, grace, grace can get us through anything. Every parent here, every parent here, at some point in time, you've wondered, maybe you've worried, juniors. Starting to drive for the first time. He's got the keys in his hand and the car in his possession and off he goes. And automatically your mind goes back to when you were that age. And you were out driving and you thought that kid will get himself killed before midnight. And you sit there and you worry about that and you think to yourself, how in the world can I survive? How can I go on with life? If I lose one of my children or if I lose my spouse, how can I go on? Grace? Grace? You, you say, but I don't feel that strong. It's not about how strong you are. It's about how weak you are. Because it's God's grace. And God doesn't give you that grace until you have that need. And at the moment of that need, the grace of God will meet you there with arms wide open. And those that trust in the Lord, that faith will take away their sins. It'll tame their fears. It'll literally transform their lives. It'll thrill their heart and transport you eventually to heaven. All because of faith. And here is a man of faith. A faithful father. If you're going to be a faithful father, a good mother, or a decent person, or anything else, it all starts and ends with faith in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Have you trusted Him as your Lord and Savior this morning? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven if you died? Maybe you're here today and you're saved. And it might be that it's at a time in your life where like Abraham, you fail in a different way, but in some way you have failed miserably. Out of respect for you, your children wouldn't say, my dad hasn't been faithful to God. They wouldn't say that to your face. But deep in their heart, they know that's the case. And deep in your heart, you know that's true. And if you're a child of God, out of the will of God, I'm telling you, you're hurting right now. We can't live our life out of the will of God without suffering the pain, the guilt, the conviction of the Holy Spirit working in our heart to bring us back to that place that we can enjoy full fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Wouldn't this be a great day, this Father's Day? You couldn't ask for a better gift than that to say, I'm going to get everything right with God before I leave here. You don't have to say anything to me or Brother Kenneth. Just right there where you're seated or come up here on your knees and say, Lord, you know why I'm here. You know what I need. And I'm putting my life in your hands. And, and by your grace, I'm going to serve you from this day forward while we all stand. Father, how we thank you for the great example of Abraham, not only for Abraham, but for those that were affected by him, those that came after him, those that looked back upon their relationship with him and, and the spiritual lesson that, that he taught them and seen the great need of putting their trust in you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that You'll help each and every one of us, those of us who are fathers, that we might indeed be faithful to You. That we might be a blessing to our family. We might be a help to our friends. That we might be made useful in some way in Your kingdom work. And Lord, for that person here today, it might be a some woman, it might be a, a child, whoever it is that's never really been saved, I pray that this might be the day they'd trust Christ as their Savior. For we ask it in His dear name. Amen. While we sing.